Welcome to the Jerry Mullins podcast, where we take a deep dive into different educational topics to maximize your life in many aspects. Today's episode is what I'm terming another one of these Jeremy and Friends episode. We have Captain Wacker back from the or military Captain Wacker, but you guys know her as Maddie. She is back today to do um, another talk, which we're super excited about. And we're going to go over food labels. Um, so remember, she is our, I'm going to call you our nurse slash CSCS strength and conditioning coach um, that we're bringing in as our specialist. And I'm super excited to dive into the food label today. Me too. Hey, Jeremy, it's good to be back. Awesome. I know we had a little bit of uh, not audio problem last time, but video problem. So hopefully we can get some good uh, video out of this and you can, yeah, share it on some social media platforms. But we had a good you know response from the last one. I had a lot of people message me just kind of eye opening about like, you know, what we're talking about with fitness, you know, that there's such a stigma there. Or it has to be, you know, all or nothing, you know, two a days and, you know, some really eye opening, you know, conversations with that. And I think today will be the same way, right? We start looking at, you know, the food label because especially from my aspect, I've, I think I've taken it for granted because, you know, as crazy as it, as it sounds like, you know, being a dietitian, a food label is one of the first things that we, you know, learned about, right? And and that we talked about, you know, so I first want to give you a chance to, you know, talk about those misconceptions again, because when we say food label for the lay person, I don't think they're thinking about the back food label. I think a lot of times when people hear food label, they're thinking about maybe what's on the front. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. And, you know, the food labels aren't something that we are necessarily taught as general public, right? You said it's one of the first things that you go over as a dietitian, as a nutrition coach, as a nutritionist, you know, any of those professions. And that's not really the case of what we see in, you know, primary education. And yet it's something that everyone in their lives will come across at one point or another. And so having that tool of learning how to read a nutrition label, understanding what a nutrition label is showing you and what it's getting across is so important. And like you said, it's not always represented accurately by what's on the front of the food that you're buying. And so an important thing to remember is that like any other business, like any other industry, the food industry is, it has a primary goal of making a profit. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing or a good thing. It just means that their primary focus when they're marketing to you with what's on the front of their product is not your health, but it's that you buy it. So they're looking for your money. Um, they're looking for people to buy that product. And that means whatever's reflected on the front isn't necessarily going to give the nitty gritty details that the nutrition label actually mandates they include on there. So I think that's an important thing to remember when when you're going to the grocery store. Because like you said, what's on the front is yeah. almost like a, like a yin and yang of what's on the back. <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the right comparison. No, but. I mean, I, I think it's a hundred percent. I think people have to realize, you know, for good or bad, right? Because usually, and you can deep, people can deep dive into this. I don't have them memorized in, in the sense, but a lot of times 
the companies that make the like healthy foods that you would look at and be like, okay, those, those are healthy foods. The same parent company makes the soda and the simple sugars or, or the bat, you know, quote unquote, I hate to call things bad food. I, I like to, I like to term things sometimes foods and most of the time foods, right? Cause I hate putting negative uh, quote stigma on foods, right? I just don't think that's good for, for anybody. Um, but yeah, people have to remember that at the end of the day, Food industry is a business. And I'll give you a great example that we see a lot right now. Peanut butter. As the listeners know how much I love peanut butter, right? But the front of the label will say high protein source or good protein source. And, and it'll have seven grams of pro, uh, protein right there on the front of the label. But that doesn't make it a protein source. They're trying to use that as a selling point versus, you know, people turning around and looking at the back of the label. Yeah, that's huge. And, and you know, I like that you brought up the fact that we're not here to demonize them for doing it, right? It's it's more about providing education so that you can make informed decisions. So if you know how to read a nutrition label, it doesn't matter if you go and you buy the product that looks the prettiest on the front and looks tasty and is trying to sell you something that it's not just because you want to try it, right? as long as you know, you know, you're going to the store, you're looking for something and you're trying to buy a product that matches your goals. Um, I think that being able to read the nutrition label and be like, okay, it's telling me it's this, it's not this, but I still want to buy the product. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just about being able to make informed decisions. And I think that nutrition labels is one of the best resources that you can use on a food product to start making informed decisions as a food consumer, which hundred percent of us are, yeah. unless you, you know, farm all your own food, which props. Well, and then, you know, just as I think this is a good point to make too, right. Some of the healthy foods out there, right. Or what I would deem, you know, foods that we want to have most of the time might not even have a food label. Huge indicator <laughs> that it's, you know, good if you know what it is without a food label that's a that's a good sign yeah <laughs> that <I> mean, is food <laughs> right so if you look, yeah if you look at it and, and both me and i both come from from these camps right you know it's like hey you know if you think about it that's you know our fresh produce you know our our healthy meats whether it's chicken whether it's seafood whether it's you know um beef our grains our beans you know we mentioned produce so lumping fruit and veggies in that like they don't have labels right but those things things are healthy now they might have a front of the label i got it you know and this is for further you know probably podcast we can't get into it all today like we can go over you know what is deemed or usda organic versus what is natural we can make sure that we cover down on those aspects okay because when you know it goes back to what you and i were talking about earlier sometimes those are the things that go on the front of the label to sell right so and we'll talk about that as we we dive into maybe like a natural food you know conversation on that but what i'd like to do today is you know kind of back and forth and and i can you know have you you know explain and we'll walk through the back of a nutrition label right 
And probably for the listener, if, if you're not walking right now or you're not driving, you know, if you're sitting at a desk and you can have a food product that you can just turn around and look at it, you know, as we go through it, it may help you, you know, just to see it, understand and all that. Right. But we start with the nutrition label on the back. The first thing that is at the top of it is the serving size. So let's talk a little bit about serving size and how that's changed over. I want to say it changed for a lot of products in the last five to six years that they had to make that serving size a little bit more reflective on what people were actually consuming versus how they used to do it. Yeah. When we talked earlier today too, I know that that was one of the key things that you wanted to point out. And yeah, you can't, you can't overemphasize the importance of looking at the serving size because a lot of times what you'll see on product is again, going back to the marketing scheme on the front of the product, they'll put the total calories um, an easy one to think about is like, uh, maybe like a bag or a package of cookies and it'll say 130 calories and people are like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And the bag's not that big. Right. So people are automatically, our minds just assume, and especially if you're not in the habit of checking nutrition labels, you assume that one bag is 130 calories. Then we make that automatic association, um, flip it over and you find out that, two cookies that are like this size are 130 calories, right? And so, and maybe there's say 15 servings in the bag. And so in your mind, you've just consumed 130 calories. Um, you're working hard to track that. You think you're meeting the goals that nutrition coach set for you or your trainer set for you or is working with you on, or, you know, you're abiding by whatever your doctor told you. And, you know, the results aren't, aren't yielding. And sometimes it can be as simple as just not understanding serving size, portion size, and how that affects how much we actually are taking in. So what we think we're taking in versus what we're actually taking in. And so serving size is always going to be right at the top of the nutrition label. And it'll typically say, you know, serving size colon, and it'll be given in a wide array of different serving sizes. So sometimes for cereals and granolas, it's something like Typically, it's as small as a fourth cup <laughs> is what they show. Um, but, it, you know, a fourth cup, half cup, it'll show in cup sizes. Other times it'll show in grams, um, tablespoons, depending on what it is. Sometimes um, one package, it'll if it's separately or individually packaged. And so our advice for that is look at the product, check out the serving size, see if it makes sense, you know, if the serving size is super small, if that caloric amount attached to it is yeah. uh you know worth it for the product that you're buying 100 percent. and they changed that as i mentioned a few years ago they made a lot of companies make some adjustments based on what people were consuming right and it used to be bad in sodas you know so typical soda you know serving 10 years ago you know 20 years ago i'm dating myself now because i want to say this change has probably been more than five to seven years ago but they changed it, you know, a normal soda serving size was eight ounce, let's say 20 years ago, right? Then these 20 ounce bottles started coming out and they would do the same thing. So it would say 80 calories on the front, you know, but that was an eight ounce serving, but a 20 ounce bottle would actually be you know, two and a half serving, right? And in it, they had to start labeling as a serving was a bottle because that's what people were consuming, right? So that, that I yeah. love that change that was you know, a policy that come out had to be made, you know, but you still get it. Like you mentioned in some of your processed foods, 
you know, on the serving sizes, right? So the serving size is, is actually very small and there's a lot of servings inside of that product. So, um, and, and yeah, yes, depending on if you're weighing and measuring or just awareness, that'll give you like, what is the serving size? So if it's fluid, it's generally in fluid ounces. If it's in ounces, that would be weight ounces or like you mentioned, the new cups. So awesome. Moving on down, you know, as we're moving down the, the food label, the next two things that come up, because um, I figured number two is going to be fairly easy for you to roll over. But the next two things is calories, which is always kind of big. Um, and then the, our first macronutrient that will be listed on there will be the fat. So let's take a little time to talk about those two. Yeah, total calories coming up next. Um, and I believe this is another area where the food labels actually recently not recently, we just decided it wasn't that recent, but in the past several years have made a change to it. And they are, um, I don't know if it's all labels. I haven't seen it on all labels, but a lot of labels are required to actually list the calories um, a bit bigger. And so they're a little bit easier to see and it'll list total calories, um, which, you know, that's a really important piece of information for you to have, you know, check calories correlated to serving size, but it's not the whole picture. And that's a big reminder that I like to tell people um, because a lot of times people just look at calories and they assume high is bad, low is good. And so the calories kind of gives you an overview. It gives you a picture. Um, and then the rest of the food label is going to be really important in determining if that product is good for what you're planning on using it for. And so what that means is depending on the macronutrient breakdown, macronutrients being the fats, the carbohydrates and the proteins, understanding what that total calorie is broken up into, right? So we'll kind of get that into that a little bit more. And so starting with fats, um, fat is the most calorically dense or energy dense macronutrient of the three. So it has nine calories per gram versus carbohydrates and proteins, which have roughly four calories per gram. And so all that means is if you have a high fat food, that will automatically increase the amount of calories in a smaller serving size. And fats will be further broken down on a nutrition label into saturated and then unsaturated fats, which are going to be your mono unsaturated and your polyunsaturated fats. And without getting into a crazy amount of detail, because I feel like that could be a whole podcast on its own. I'm sure it will be. Um, you want to limit the amount of saturated fat intake to less than 10% of your total fat intake per day is the general guidelines. Um, and you want to increase or trade out some of your saturated fats for these polyunsaturated fats, because those are going to be the ones that um, promote not just anti-inflammation, but also healthy infl inflammatory processes in our bodies. Um, and so looking to see not just total fat, but see the actual breakdown of fat content in the foods that you're consuming can be a really helpful tool because you don't want to diet too low in fat, but you do want to make sure your diet is made up of the right kinds of fats, which again are going to be those unsaturated poly and mono unsaturated fats. Awesome. Love it. You know, and, you know, I think that's important, you know, as you mentioned, a great, you know, 50 foot view to look at it. Right. So if you're getting a lot of, um, you know, saturated fat in there, like there's another layer of questions that will have you, you know, come on there, ask that you're especially like with animal product, how the animal product has been raised and fed. And, and once again, that's a whole other podcast. We won't have time to, to dive into it. 
but also, you know, in, in the notes you sent over, you had a really good point that I think, you know, we'll bring up for people to look at. So as you start looking at those food labels and we'll get into ingredients later on, you know, you mentioned looking for the, especially the trans fat and the term partially hydrogenated oils, right? So that's one that we all can agree on. Like, Hey, if you've got a, um, let's just use peanut butter again, you know, you my favorite thing. If you got two peanut butters, right? We love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have one that has partially hydrated, um, you know, oils in it and one that doesn't go with the one that doesn't, right? That is, that is how this process will work and how you can get better food choices into your nutrition game plan by learning, okay, what is in the label? Okay. But in the beginning, and when I'm working with people, I might not care as much, right? What I mean by that is I'm not going to stress if someone is, you know, if someone's hitting, you know, their protein, their calories, I'm not worried about what type of peanut butter they're eating. But as I work with them along the journey, we do want to work with it. And that's that's the intent and the goal of the podcast, especially having you on with this, is we can dive into these things. So that's what we want you guys to look for is, you know, if it has anything that's partially hydrogenated, there we go. We want to make sure that we're getting, you know, something else. Um, we see that inside, which we'll get to this in a minute, you know, with the, the carbohydrate. And I'll just lead you with that saying, like the high fructose corn syrup, that would be another one. Um, you can look for peanut butter once again as a good example, or one that we, you know, made some changes a few years ago was ketchup, right? Because our kids love ketchup. So we make sure that we get the simple or the natural ketchup that doesn't have the partial, or I'm sorry, the high fructose corn syrup in it. Okay. Not to steal a little thunder from you there, but let's roll into um, carbohydrate and what is listed with carbs. Um, especially the fiber that will be noted underneath carbohydrates. I like that you stole a little thunder because um, <laughs> I just want to take back to that point that uh, it's not about getting it perfect, right? It's just about continually educating yourself and arming yourself with these tools. And so reading a nutrition label, it'll take practice. It'll take time. You won't catch everything at once, um, but it's just about learning and adding that to your toolkit. So I'm really glad that you brought that up, Jeremy. With carbohydrates, huge area where you will see where you kind of have to tie the nutrition label fact to the actual ingredient list. Um, and carbohydrates are going to be broken down into a couple things. So it'll give you total carbohydrates, which will give you a good overview. And then you'll look underneath that to see where those carbohydrate sources are coming from. And so one of those is fiber. Um, the more fiber that you have in these products, that means the less those carbohydrates are coming from things like simple sugars. And um, across the board, I think like 50% of Americans are consuming less than 50% of the recommended amount of fiber or more, maybe 70%. I might have my percentages wrong, but there's a very small percentage of Americans actually consuming the proper amount of fiber. And fiber is really critical. Um, not just for digestion, which everyone associates it with, but for um, gut health and the microbiome or the, you know, healthy gut bacteria that that we have. And so fiber feeds that and keeps our metabolism working properly and keeps our systems functioning properly. And so leaving fiber out is is a significant negative impact on our health. And so looking underneath carbohydrates, checking to make sure that some of your sources of food have enough fiber. And again, some of those fiber sources are going to come from the foods that don't have a ton of nutrition labels on them, which is why we always promote, you know, look for as much real food that you 
can and, and make that a big, big part of your diet. Um, underneath fiber is going to be the added sugars and the total sugar content. So it'll, it'll typically be sugars and then added sugar. And so the difference here is total amount of sugar is going to be all of the sugar that's in that product, both naturally occurring and added sugars, which can come from things like, again, high fructose corn syrup, maple syrup, um, table sugar, um, uh, what are some other ones? Um, trying to think of the name of it. It doesn't make it, it doesn't make it honey. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make it bad. Mean, it's it. just, yeah. yeah, there's just a lot of different names for these sugars that can be put into products. And so the nutrition label will differentiate for you between natural sugars, which is, you know, when you read, um, the nutrition label on a bag of frozen blueberries, great choice. They don't go bad. They're usually harvested at peak time, frozen. Great. It's going to have blueberries probably, probably wasn't the best example, but it's going to have a relatively high, I'll put it in air quotes, sugar content. And that's naturally occurring sugars provided that they haven't added any sugars to it. And so if say it's a bag of frozen strawberries with, uh, you know, syrups added in that added sugar section, if it exists there, it'll tell you how many grams of total sugars in that product are coming from added sugars. And you can always go down then to the ingredient list and kind of double check that because if there's ingredients beyond just blueberries, say it's like blueberries, sugar, sucrose, high fructose corn syrup, back to Jeremy's point, you might want to consider looking if there's another bag of frozen fruit that just has blueberries as, as the ingredient. And you'll see the the different sugar content reflected, right? It's not going to go down to zero sugar because there's naturally occurring sugars in the blueberries, um, but it'll remove that portion of sugars coming from added sugars, which is where we see more of those pro-inflammatory health issues happening um, just because some of those naturally occurring sugars they're part of the whole food. And so there's just health benefits that are conferred when it's a natural food product. hundred percent. What I missed, Jeremy. Nothing. No, I, it, it, you're right on. It goes back to like what we talked about with the fats, right? The highlight of this is it's not that you're looking at a food and deeming it good or bad because of the fiber content. But as you start tracking your nutrition, guys and gals, you will learn that we're creatures of habit, right? You'll learn the foods that you consume over and over. Then this is the next step of learning these food labels where then you're looking at and saying, okay, I like frozen blueberries. Great. Let's just double check that our frozen blueberries is not got a bunch of added sugar in it. And you'd look for a different frozen blueberry or, you know, canned fruit or even canned veggies for that matter can have some. That's a big stuff. one. Yeah. So it's just, you know, being aware of it, right. And being able to make those good choices. I think that's the biggest, you know, the takeaway in what, what I want action item. I want people to do, you know, with the, the education that you're giving them. Okay. Um, now, even yeah, if and to your point with, with actioning this right next time you go to the grocery store, start to look at some of those habit items that you always buy, check out the food label. Again, it might take a little bit of time at first, um, but compare it to some of the other similar products and see if you can make upgrades anywhere when it comes to the total nutritional value of the product you're buying. 
And again, be specific with that because you buy different products for different reasons. And so you might buy one product that has a totally different nutritional composition than another product. doesn't mean one's good or bad. It just your reasons for buying them are different. And so, yeah, try it out at the grocery store. If you're following along now, make some mental notes of like, oh, I'm going to see if there's maybe something a little better next time I go to the grocery store instead of, you know, this yogurt that I always buy, I'm going to go for this one. Yeah. I love Which that. we'll probably touch on yogurt again for protein. <laughs> yeah. I love that upgrade, right? What is the upgrade? Um, yeah. And I think that the last two things yeah. on it that I really want to dive into the education before we get into, you know, more tips and where we've seen food labels go along wrong, especially with marketing and companies staying within the guidelines, right? Um, let's talk about, you know, protein, which is pretty straightforward on, on the food label, talk protein and ingredients to wrap up the food label. And then, like I said, you and I can then go back and forth on some tips, recommendations, and what to be cognizant of when it comes to the labels. Yeah. Hang tight guys. Cause that's the fun part. We're so excited about that. <laughs> um, so with protein, like Jeremy said, pretty straightforward, it's going to tell you the total amount of protein. You know, depending on the product that you're buying, not everything that you buy or consume has to be high protein, right? I know it's like the halo food of our society right now. But um, what I will say about that, and this will kind of come with the tips, is if you're buying a product that you're considering a protein source in your diet, you do want to make sure that it has a significant amount of protein, which I would consider probably 10 grams at the lowest. Um, and to go back to Jeremy's point about the peanut butter, right? It has protein in it. It does contribute to your overall protein intake throughout the day. But if peanut butter is your main source of protein Sorry. coming in at seven grams, when you look at the entire nutrition label, you would have to eat a lot, a lot of peanut butter, which is then going to contribute to a lot, a lot of energy. Because like we said, it's a very fat, dense food. It, it's the primary macronutrient is fat. And so a little bit goes a long way when it comes to total calories and fat, but not so much in terms of protein. So again, just check out the protein, decide if that food that you're buying is meant to be a source of protein or not, and then see if the uh, marketing of high protein or protein food or whatever it is, is actually matching what's on that protein nutrition label. And then to go into the ingredient list, I think this is one of the most important sections. I think people, oftentimes we, we hyper-emphasize or hyper-focus on total calories or fat or whatever it might be. And I think the nutrition label is where you can get a lot of bang for your buck, right? Because you can paint a picture of what's actually in the product for yourself. So maybe a good practice is uh, looking at the food, trying not to get too distracted by the enticing marketing and flipping it over and reading the ingredients. Sometimes I do that even before I look at the rest of the food label, because if it's this long, long exhaustive list and the food that I'm buying says that it's, you know, just crackers or just yogurt, you know, I, I'm probably going to look elsewhere because I don't, I, I don't need all that other stuff in there, you know, making it shelf stable, making it taste good. There might be better options with less ingredients. Um, the other thing on ingredients is this is where you can kind of um, 
bust the marketing on the even the nutrition label itself, which is well regulated. So you know, you can trust the nutrition label, it's a great tool to make sure that you know what you're buying. But and I'm going to let Jeremy take our favorite one on this one. But um, the ingredients are going to give you a better picture of what is in this product than the nutrition label in terms of like the macronutrients and the total calories or the serving size. And so they might sneak in some differently named ingredients that are familiar to you, but are just tied to a different name in the ingredient list that can give you an indication of what kind of fats are in there, what added sugars are in there, um, what the primary products are. And so that can really be helpful. The last thing, and I, I almost forgot to mention this, the ingredient list is in order of the ingredient that is most prevalent in that product, which means when you're buying cereal and it's telling you that it's whole grain, high protein, <laughs> cereal is such a good one. I, it's like a throwaway, but, and it's giving you all this stuff on the front and then you flip it over. You don't have to look at anything else on the nutrition label. Look at that ingredient list. And that first ingredient is sugar. That means that sugar is the most, uh, is it by volume or by weight, yeah. Jeremy? Um, it's not necessarily by vo uh, volume. It's by it's by weight. So what what is the largest? Okay. Ingredient? You have largest ingredient in there, and I think it's by and I'm going off memory of this, but I think it is by weight. So okay, we might have to just double check, and then we can you know push that out. But um, to put it simply, that is the most predominant ingredient in that product. And so if you don't, if you're looking for a healthy cereal just make sure that that's well represented in the list of ingredients. Yeah. And I got some rules of thumb that are going to come, you know, off that, right. You know, and takeaways, rules of thumb, you know, you want to go on there. You mentioned it. Hey, the front of the label, that's marketing guys and gals front of the labels, marketing, learn to flip it over, look at the back of the label. That's where, you know, we want you to take this education that's given to you today to learn about it, to make better choices. Okay. The second thing uh, you mentioned is as a rule of thumb, the less ingredients, the better, right? So the less ingredients the product has in it. And I think you mentioned this in your notes, if I remember reading it on like guacamole, right? So everybody thinks guac is a fat source and it should be, right? It should be. But unfortunately, there's a lot of guacamole out there that they add sugar to it, you know, so then you, you turn it over and it's actually got more carbs in it as it does fat, right? Which leads me to my other, and you touched on this. You know, so you made a good good point that like, hey, for something to be a little higher in protein, it needs to be 10 and above. So how I do that education is like, if you want to count it as a protein source, right, a primary protein source, because you mentioned this, like, hey, if you eat peanut butter, yes, you get seven grams. It counts towards your total for the day, but it's a fat source first. I keep this very simple. When you turn the back of the label over, if that protein bar is higher in carbs or higher in fat, then that bar is a carb bar or a fat bar. It's not a protein bar for it to be a protein bar. I want it to be higher in protein. Okay. Now that that's just a rule of thumb guys. I don't want you to think that that makes your protein bar bad, right? If it's a mixture, but that's just how I've taught it to make people understand and help this. Uh, don't call it a lie. This misleading marketing that is out there. Right? So um, those are just some takeaways from, from what you were saying, but 
Yeah, let's get into some of the things that we've seen just to kind of eye open it for the listeners out there. Um, you mentioned yogurt. So go into yogurt a little bit of what you've seen and how that can be a little bit misleading. Oh, yogurt's one of my favorite topics because it is such a commonly recommended food as a healthy snack, as a great breakfast, as a good protein source. And it can be all of those things. And there are so many different brands and types of yogurt out there. Um, but that comes with the other side of the coin, right? And there are certain brands of yogurt out there that you would be better off and would probably get more enjoyment out of just eating pudding if that's, you know, up your alley or ice cream. And I say that because there are so many additives and specifically added sugars and syrups um, to these yogurts that it really does turn them into a dessert. And they're so heavily processed that it actually removes the protein um, content and lowers it down to sometimes around five to seven grams of protein, which again, when we think of yogurt, that I'm not saying that products with five to seven grams of protein are bad, but I'm saying when you're looking at yogurt and you are counting on that as one of probably your primary sources of protein. Um, you know, especially for individuals who maybe don't eat meat, whatever it might be. Um, you really, really want to get in the habit of looking at the nutrition label and the ingredient list for yogurts. Um, a lot of times the first ingredient will be sugar or syrups. Um, a lot of times the carbohydrates will well, well outweigh the protein um, and you really actually, these are popular brands too, guys. These aren't, these aren't like well, uh, and black market yogurts that are hidden away. They're, they're primary and sold in a lot of like grab and go areas. So yeah. And the, what I've learned, the brands will generally have like what we would say is a good choice and a bad choice. Like they'll have both. Right. So it's not always, you know, the, the brand is not necessarily, the indicator when it comes to a good choice or, or a bad choice, you know, from, from that aspect. So it's something to keep in, in mind, you know, from there, the other things that I would, you know, look at one of the big ones that come up for me. Um, and I always say this with yogurt. That's the reason when I do the yogurt, it is generally said as, okay, primary protein sources are meat, fish, eggs, some dairy, which includes Greek yogurt and cottage cheese, because what you just mentioned there are some yogurts out there that are very high in sugar content and have candy on top, right? So we have to be aware of that, you know, from that standpoint. The other one that I love, Maddie, and, and you know, you know, I've talked about this online. I told you he's going to bring it up today is, for example, the spray oil. Okay, so I got to ask you, you know, I can't remember if I asked you this, but, but uh, or not, but <laughs> you, you use it, right? I use an olive oil based uh, spray oil. Do you use a spray oil? Yes. Okay. Bef and big disclaimer here, because I feel like this just goes to show we're not saying good or bad. I am an enormous spray oil fan because it is so convenient. So I actually use an avocado spray oil and yeah. then I use a regular olive oil spray oil. And I go through those like, and this will actually tie in well. I go through so many of those, Jeremy. And if we were going by the nutrition label, <laughs> me going through a bottle of that spray olive oil a week i'm taking in no calories no calories. if you have a spray <laughs> no calories 
if you have a spray olive oil or avocado oil, coconut oil, whatever in your house, go pull it out of your pantry, look at the back of it, and it will tell you that it is that you know the only ingredient. Typically, I try to get one that just has the oil as the ingredient, which I think is common knowledge. That's a fat laden food. It literally only has fat in it, actually, which we've already said is the highest amount of calories per serving per gram, which means it's the most energy dense. And you'll flip over that product and it will say zero calories. But then again, we're teaching you this, guys. So again, go. you'd be like, what? That doesn't make sense based on what Jeremy and Maddie said. Go to the top, the nutrition label, and it's going to say serving size. And it's like a quarter of a second spray. (laughs) I I can't even make a quarter of a second spray, Uh, no matter how hard I try. Yes. I'm spraying for like 10 to 15 seconds. (laughs) so all of that to say right guys use all of these pieces that we're teaching you to give you the full picture because these it goes back to the food industry's primary goal and it is a business which does not make it bad it's where we get our food but they are not the ones responsible for your health you are responsible for your health And so knowing how to interpret what's in these products that they're trying to sell and make an informed decision on whether or not you want to buy it is key. So we had a good laugh about that one because we both use it. We both love it. Um, And Jeremy sent me a good, (laughs) Jeremy sent me a good meme of someone like weighing out a Cheeto so that the scale said zero and then was just eating them one at a time. Right. So for you, for you (laughs) meme finders out there, you've probably seen it. And, and I'm listen, I, the listeners know I'm a big person on tracking. Like, I think that we should, you know, I don't think people should track 365 days a year the rest of their life. But I think tracking your nutritional intake brings you very good self-awareness of what works for, well for you. But once again, I don't get too caught up in it because of this reason. Because So the reason that that company or any company can put zero calories on these spray oils is because there's policies and rules. And if something has less than one gram of fat per serving, technically they can label it as zero. So you look on these spray oils and there's 450 some servings, quarter of a second, that you know, <laughs> none of us are doing. Doesn't make it wrong. Continue doing what you're doing, guys. My point being, don't get so caught up in this tracking macros and making it perfect. You know, it's input versus output. Use the same amount, right? The other, the other example I'll use in this is, and you guys may have seen this, um, like the low calorie Gatorades um, or Powerades or, you know, you name it. So it's like, if you look at the back of the label, it's it's got like 60 calories in it, but the first serving has zero. So it's like, wait a minute. So that means I drink half of this, this low calorie Gatorade and there's zero calories in the first half, but in the second half, there's 60 calories. And that all has to do with these labeling rules and the takeaway message that we want you guys to take, you know, from that is learn what we talked about today in in looking at things such as the partially hydrogenated oils, the um, uh, the added sugars, and making better choices in the food that you're already eating on a regular basis, right? To get a better uh, quality food, or what Maddie mentioned is what we call the upgrade. That's very important that you do. 
And then really to think about input and output, right? Don't stress about if my macros are 100% accurate because of what these food labels are giving us. Just be very aware of it, okay? Maddie, do you have any uh, things that you want to just, you know, make sure that the, the listener takes out of today as we start to wrap this call up? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think you you said it pretty well there. Our goal is just for you guys to be informed consumers. And that takes a little bit of the pressure off, right? It's not about uh, always selecting the very best food product that's out there. Um, it's really just about knowing what you're buying and having tools in your toolkit to assess them and to kind of arm yourself against some of the marketing that is out there because it can be really easy to fall fall into that trap and to maybe not have any backstop set up for you. Um, Jeremy, if we have time, I'm just I'll just run through kind of my system for when I go to the grocery store and I pick up a product or maybe a new product. And yeah, a lot like of it is stuff we already covered. So it'll be it'll be quick, but this is just my personal. Um, and I still do this, you know, and I've, I've been looking and reading new nutrition labels for a long time, but when I pick out a new product, largely just out of curiosity at this point now, um, cause I, like Jeremy said, we are habitual creatures. So a lot of the stuff I've identified what I like, I know what's in it. I buy it weekly, but when I'm getting new stuff, um, I kind of put this back into practice and it's something that you guys can maybe take and tweak and make it your own and then practice it until it's second nature so that you can be an informed consumer like we talked about. Uh, but my system, number one, um, I always compare the front of that product. So the face of the product, right? We'll call it like the food with makeup on. Um, so what the marketing says against what the nutrition label on the back says. So you just want to keep in mind what's on the front and then flip it over and dive into your own personal assessment of what that food product is. So first, again, I look at the ingredients. Then I look at the added sugars because a lot of the foods we're consuming, unless it's a outright dessert, really don't need to have a lot of added sugars in them. And so if the ingredient list and the added sugars aren't really lining up and I'm not buying a cake or a cookie, I'm probably going to put that product down and see if they've got anything better. From there, I'll typically look at the macronutrient breakdown and just make sure that it aligns with what I'm trying to get out of the food. So this goes back to what Jeremy and I were saying about if I'm buying yogurt, if I'm buying a protein bar, I want to make sure that protein is the predominant macronutrient. If I'm buying um, a blend of mixed nuts or I'm buying guacamole or I'm buying um, a salad dressing, something like that, I'm probably going to make sure it's a little bit heavier in the fats. And then I'm going to look at the ingredient list and make sure they're the right kind of fats that I want to be consuming for that product. From there, and to go back to that one, right, if, if you're an endurance athlete or if you're trying to find something for before your workout, you probably actually do want what I would differentiate as an energy bar. Right. So something that's a little higher in carbohydrates and lower in fat and protein. And so again, those things sometimes get demonized, but it depends on what you're using it for. You don't actually maybe want a super high protein, low carb bar before your workout, because that's not going to be what gives your body the most readily available energy. Um, then I'll look at serving size and I'll look at how that relates to the actual 
protein, fat, carbohydrate breakdown and the total caloric breakdown. So again, looking at that serving size, making sure I'm going to get my money's worth and my calories worth out of what I'm trying to get out of that product. And then again, just coming back to the ingredient list, make sure it paints a clear picture. One last thing I want to remind everyone, everyone's energy requirements are individualized. Um, the nutrition label itself, you will see percentages. Those are based on a 2000 calorie diet and what is appropriate for an average adult. Guys, average adult can mean <laughs> so many different things. So keep in mind, the nutrition label was not personalized to you. It's giving you an idea, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you can only have one serving of this food or you should only have one serving for you. Maybe you need to increase that intake for someone else. Maybe they need to decrease that intake. Um, again, same with the micronutrient breakdown that you'll see at the bottom. Individuals with chronic disease, individuals recovering from surgery or injury, individuals that are athletes, um, women versus men, and these different populations age older adults they're going to need more protein. They're going to need more micronutrients because the body just gets less efficient at processing those. So the big takeaway there without getting too much down a rabbit hole is just remember that your needs are individualized. And that's why we said at the beginning, the nutrition label is such a good tool for you to have to make better and more informed decisions in the grocery store. But when it comes to addressing personal needs, especially if you have specific goals, reach out to professionals, reach out to someone that you trust, do some research on your own. Um, don't leave that fully up to the nutrition label because it won't paint a personalized picture. Absolute love it. And shameless plug. If you need a nutrition coach, I do all my coaching on the first form app, which you can just download and add me via the email, Jeremy at firstform.com. And then don't forget guys, our partner. Boom. Yeah. Don't forget our partners, uh, you know, Summit Rejuvenation, where you can do a free consult with them if you're looking at, you know, any needs of getting a baseline blood work done if you're a little younger or looking at doing hormonal replacement if you are or got a lot more experience on you. And then Green Up Wealth is also our financial um, business, which is a partner. They also will do a free consult to look over what are your needs um, when it comes to anything financial. So, Maddie, I love to have you on our new series, which is Jeremy and Friends. Guys, Maddie Wacker is a registered dietitian, and she's also the Holistic Health and Fitness Deputy Director inside of the Army National Guard. Once again, Maddie, thank you for your time and your education that you provided us today.